You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on, Birdo here? And we're back again with another episode. Birdo, what do you got for us today? Um, so I just wanted to go through a, I was going to go through a story of, of one of the guys, man, from, uh, <clears throat> from the Chicago era. I've talked about him before. You know, I just think about guys, man, as they get older, everybody goes through their own struggles and shit. You know, no matter, no matter how long you've been around like people and you, you create like relationships and like, he was one of the guys for, you know, for a long time, you get older and you know, there's, there's no retirement package. His name is Jack, right? His name is Jack. He's he's a good friend of mine. He's uh he's like a brother, right? And I got a, I got a crazy a crazy way of like meeting him and, and running into him and then ultimately like being in each other's lives. I didn't even tell him I was going to do this episode, so you know. But I but I think it's worth it. <clears throat> so is, is is he a podcast listener? Like you know that he listens to the podcast, so he's going to hear this and be shocked. No, not not necessarily. Not necessarily, okay. Okay. but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just worthy of mentioning. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I first met him a long time ago when I was Walker, right? I actually met him, I met him on a holy day, which for, you know, Kings, it's January 6th, right? And that's the day, like, um, you know, the brothers would, we would fast you know, the whole day. And then we would celebrate together <clears throat> in some form or fashion, like at midnight, you know, in like a, a feast and, you know, it was for like all the, the, the fallen Kings and whatnot. And so that, that was the first day I met him. He, uh, <clears throat> he came over to Walker, to Walker hood. And I remember he had like a really, really nice car that I was like super envious of. Um, it was like a Pontiac. And so anyways, his story was, he was a member from Chicago era. You know, he was, he was always, he was like a prestigious brother back then. Everybody knew him. Everybody knew his, you know, he had like a, I think it was his cousin or something who was like a really known, really known King. He ended up, he ended up robbing a couple credit unions, right? Him and him and a couple guys, they plotted, you know, it was a really good plot. <laughs> they got away with it. You know, they, um, they did it before like the the branches opened and you know they were they acted like they acted like they were shoveling snow it was just it was it was a well planned out uh robbery and they they didn't necessarily need to even use guns they had guns they didn't need to use them <clears throat> and i mentioned that because it's relevant in this story and um anyways you know one of the guys that was with him he was walker it was this it was his brother named medio and uh, he was a younger guy, and he was he was cool, man. But uh, you know, there there had started to come heat down now, you know, because like Milwaukee's a small place in some instances, you know what I'm saying? And and so for like credit unions to be robbed, like that's kind of it's kind of a big deal, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Especially the amount of money that was took in, and, and so there started to be heat brought down, and like the neighborhoods were getting hot, and you know, everybody their landscape is being scoped and. And so, like, Medio was, he was spending a little bit of money. <clears throat> from my understanding, the other dude, the third wheel that was involved, I think he was a king from New York. I'm not sure. I didn't, I, I didn't know him personally. 
um, I heard of him, but I didn't know him personally. And I, from my understanding, he was the first one. He cooperated right away. And so um, then Medio got caught and he cooperated. And then, you know, Jack was last. And, you know, there was, I mean, once the other guys cooperate, it's, it doesn't help him. There's there's nothing he can do. Yeah. And he, he, he ended up getting 22 years, right? Holy cow. Or 20, 21 years close to it, right? Yeah, so. And there was no violence in this whatsoever. It was just no. stealing money. Yep, just stealing money. Just just stealing money. That's crazy to me. That seems extremely high yeah. for that. Yeah. And so here here's why the the gun thing is important. So they have they have a law in the federal system. It's called the 924C, right? <clears throat> and this law is basically it mandates a consecutive sentence for any crime. For any time you have a, a, a firearm in a furtherance of a felony. So in this instance, right, if you get, if, like for robbing a bank, that's that's a that's a felony in itself. Well, then using the firearm is a consecutive sentence. So let's just say, he, let's just say the firearm was brought there, right? Um, it's a mandatory five-year sentence consecutive to anything he gets. So let's just say they gave him 10 years. So then he'd have to do 15. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> and that's like non-negotiable. So- to just have it is five years. If you brandish it, meaning you pull it out, um, now it's seven years consecutive to any sentence. And then obviously if you discharge it, then it's 10 years. And so, um, you know, the guys that cooperate, <clears throat> you have to remember, like, it's a, it's a, it's a dirty game, man, that's played in the federal system and how cooperation is used to get convictions and and the laws that um it's it's just a dirty game bro and it turns into it turns into semantics when it comes to like cooperating and, and things like that and what i mean by that is if you're in a room with an agent or a prosecutor or whatever it is and and um you know the the there's a difference between there there being a gun there present and there be a gun there and it's brandished you know, like I just explained. And so it's more convenient for guys that cooperate to be like, yeah, we had the gun out opposed to, yeah, we just had the gun on us. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, they're looking to get more, basically more punishment for the people who aren't cooperating, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that being said, it, was, there, it ended up being, and so long story short, he ended up getting seven years consecutive to his 15 year sentence that he was for the, for the, um, you know, for the for the bank robbery, you know, Jack went to some some heavy, you know, federal penitentiaries. Man, he was in like you like Lee County, USP Lee. Like these are like, you know, these are to some extent bloodbath yards. Man, you know, like it's it's constant alertness. You know, guys are getting stabbed. Like penitentiaries are not playing games. And so, uh, you know, he did some rough time, and and he ended up he ended up getting some relief from that nine twenty four C law. And well, he was supposed to, right? So he was. So here's this, here's how the story intertwines with me. He was supposed to be getting some relief from that, right? And they pull him back. They bring him back to the county jail, and this is right around the time that they indict us. And so they pull him in, basically tell him, "Listen, man, you're going to be in a situation where you're going to be around these guys. These guys being me and my brother." And if you cooperate against them, then we'll give you some time off your sentence. All right. So 
now he's in a situation, right? He doesn't he doesn't know my brother at all. He never met Tim and he barely knows me. Like, and you gotta remember, by this time, you know, I have fast forwarded some years because this is when I met him, this was in, you know, 2001. Yeah, January 2001. And so, you know, he got brought in for the bank robbery, I believe, in early, you know, either 2001 or, yeah, like, yeah, early 2001. So anyways, um, you know, it wasn't long. And so then I hadn't seen him until at this point, you know, it would be this point that I'm going to bring up. And so, you know, my whole career, basically, as a king, he didn't really know me because I was still a future when I was in Walker. You know what I'm saying? So anyways... You know, I feel like it was an easy decision for him. It would have been an easy decision for him. You know, not not unrelated to the gang theory, meaning like, you know, if the gang didn't have any part of it, it would have been an easy decision to be like, okay, I can cooperate on these guys who I barely know, or don't know to some extent, or I can go do the rest of my 22-year sentence. You see what I'm saying? Like, from that standpoint, I'm saying it would be an easy decision. Now, obviously, you throw in the gang element, and that changes everything, but- my point is, I'm I'm thinking that most guys in that situation would have took that out, mm-hmm. you know, being that he was still early on. You got to remember, this is we got indicted in 05, so he's not he's not many years into a sentence. You know what I'm saying? And so I end up running into him in the visiting, like in the visiting area, in the county jail. And I'm like, what's up, man? Like I recognize him right away, and and he was kind of like apprehensive he didn't remember me you know and i this is this is before i believe the offer was made to him you Mm -hmm. know you know after that and listen this is you got to remember this is this is i wasn't in any of those rooms i wasn't uh privy to direct information i'm just giving you what i know as of through conversations with you know with him and and so I can't say that there was a bona fide offer made to him. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just giving yeah. you the story as I know it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so anyways, yeah, we we kind of conversated there, and and it was it, the the county jail was in a weird transition at that time that we went to. We were in we were in this place called Waukesha, and so at this time, um, there was like an old section of the county jail, which was literally like Andy Griffith cell blocks. You know what I'm saying? Like like old school style, right? Like literally it was 10 cells, different blocks, and um super, super old. And so in the beginning of 2006 is when they were they were transitioning to the new building. And so when they when they did that, you know, they ultimately ended the visits that we had in the cell blocks, which was through the glass. And they went through the T then then they changed it to like the TV monitors. But um, yeah, there was a lot of things that changed. And so um, one of the, one of the other things that happened was we all went from like regular, um, it was just like regular housing kind of, um, I guess, you know, like regular housing amenities, right? Like commissary and things like that. And then when they moved us, they put us like in the hole right away. We went through like administ- administrative segregation. It was it was super crazy how they did it, and uh, you know they started to like a different process and classifying guys and we ended up being in a hole. And I say we, because we were all going through the same through this at the same time, like me, my brother and Jack, and there was even a couple other Kings in the County jail, but they, they managed to keep us separate. Once, once we got through this <clears throat> administrative segregation part, we ended up getting to, it's like a, it's basically like an intake pod, 
right? And this is where they ended up housing us for the longest time because of our classification. Um, they didn't want to put us into our like a regular pod because they felt like either we were dangerous, we were facing too much time. They needed to basically watch and monitor how our behavior was going to be before they allowed us to be in these pods because of whatever they thought we would have too much control or whatever they thought, you know. And so, so, so just for my clarification, like when you say a pod, I'm assuming this is something where you would be you were in a place where you were just, you had your cell to yourself and that was it. And a pod is going to be more like a group of people together. Is that, and they were concerned about what you were going to do when you get around that group of people. Is that kind of. Right. So a pod is just really just the name of an area. Right. So like the, like the, the, okay. So like where we were at the intake area, uh, we used to call it the fishbowl. Meaning like when you walk in through, you're coming into this pod, we call it right. But when you walking in, you know, it's like dark because there's, there's five different sections, right. And just labeled like a through E, right. Like a, B, C, D, E. Right. And then, so you can see into these units, but they can't see out. I think I've told this, this, this element of the story before, as far as the county jail and how it's structured. And so they ended up putting us in this area and leaving us there for a long time. And it was kind of like torturous, man. Like these units, there's no, you don't get no sun. Like you're literally inside, you know what I'm saying? And it's like a concrete building, you know what I'm saying? And, and um, the only unit, I think the the unit C is like the biggest one and has like 16 cells in it. And otherwise it's like eight man, eight man units, you know? And so you're just in here, there's a TV in the day room, you know, one shower. And um, yeah, you, you, you got to sell it to yourself, but I mean, you, you can go crazy in these little places. And so, you know, if you go to a regular pod, meaning like upstairs, that's like a more normal setting. Like they have an outdoor rec area, you know what I'm saying? Like you can get like hot water from a hot water pot. You know what I mean? Like they had different, different amenities up there, you know, but for some reason they were, they were holding us downstairs, you know what I'm saying? And so, but anyways, during this time frame, we were down there so long. I happened to be in the, the unit in unit C and my brother ended up with Jack in unit e and mm-hmm. so they were they were like next to each other um he, he was in an eight-man unit i was in a 16-man unit but where my door was located it was located like attached to the other units you know there was a lower unit which was like d and then the upper unit which was like e and mm-hmm. so by me being on the end right there i could literally like talk through the vent to the units next to me and so once you know it jack's room ended up being right on the other the other edge of the wall, basically. So I could literally talk to him through the vent, like a regular conversation, you know, that worked out. Cause then me and Tim could talk all the time, you know what I'm saying? And this is how we had the, the bulk of our conversations when we were like planning on going to trial and, um, you know, reading discovery, like going at different times because we, we were, we were housed separately. They had like a keep separate on us so that we wouldn't be in communication. So they didn't know that we were communicating that way. And so, and Jack was there, you know, and at some point, you know, he went down there to the federal building and was offered, you know, like what I said. And, um, you know, he had that opportunity, bro. And I was having a conversation with him one day and basically he already had had a conversation with Tim and Tim basically was like, well, you know, we'll tell, tell Berto. And it was basically about the offer, you know, and um, he kind of put himself in a bad situation. But, I mean, it worked out, 
right? So at this time, this is this is the time when, you know, bro, we had been through all the discovery with a fine tooth comb, you know, it, and and like I said, man, with the exception of my brother's crime, you know, they didn't have a lot on us. You know, they had a lot of circumstantial evidence that I felt like obviously in the state court, it would have been dismissed, but in the federal court, it would have been easier in a conspiracy. And then obviously what killed us were the, the you know, the, the witnesses, the confidential informants. And so, you know, we understood where we were at at that moment, bro. We were at a crossroads in the sense that, listen, we were either going to prison for the rest of our lives or we were going to have to make some sort of decision. And it just happened to, it just happened to coincide with this moment when we, when, when Jack had this conversation with Tim, Jack had kind of fell in love with us, bro. In a sense, like he, we just, man, we got along so well, bro. Like we all just hung out, you know, even if I was just through the vent, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I was in the unit by, I was in the unit by myself. So I didn't, I didn't really talk to a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Like it just always ended up like that for me, for some reason, like the majority of the time, if I wasn't like, I ended up being with, with, uh, with Tim for a while. But if I wasn't, you know, during that time, I was always by myself, you know, and, and uh, it just ended up like that, you know. But anyways, so so we would, you know, we would kick it and bullshit. And he ended up like just really like just, I don't know, man. You know, it's weird. Like those bonds in prison, bro, are are, are different, you know, jail. And it's because you, you live with this person, you know what I'm saying? And so you see the real, that real person, you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever, you know, like Jack was a known dude out there. And so like that myth and that that legend, like, yeah, you, you still hold them. You still hold that to him, but but at the same time, like they're human, you know what I mean? And he, and you humanize each other. And so I don't know, bro. The bonds are just different. And so, anyways, the fact that 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 shit was eating at him, you know, that uh, you know, like, damn man, like I don't want to do these guys like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and so basically he told them, um, he told us. And he's like, man, you know, this is this is what's going on. And and um, at first, you know, you got to remember, bro, like. You're really apprehensive in that situation, especially because where we were at, bro, we had heard so many horror stories about guys that jump on other guys cases, meaning that they don't even really know them, but they'll jump on their case and testify on them. And that was like a real thing, you know, case hopping. And so I was apprehensive. And at first, like as much as I liked Jack and I had gotten along with him, we at first I was a little hesitant, like, damn, is he playing us? You know what I'm saying? And I didn't I didn't really know how to take it. And this was the deal breaker for me, right? Because um, like I said, bro, I hadn't been around uh Jack for a long time. There's no way that he could have known the information that he knew without talking to, you know, somebody who was very, very close to us or was with law enforcement because he basically broke down one of my crimes for me, bro, that I never discussed with him. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? And um, obviously he did it like in code and we were joking around, you know what I'm saying? But that kind of blew my mind. Like, damn, like he would never know those details. He would never know that. And so that made me believe what he was saying more than anything. You know what I'm saying? That made me realize like, damn, man, like he had to have been talking to somebody in order to have that kind of information about me. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously Tim's not going to tell him. Nobody else. There's nobody else that would have known that, that he was with. 
And so it gave him credibility, bro. It gave him credibility to me. It gave him credibility to Tim. And and um, that's when, you know, our decision was kind of being shaped. And, you know, we came up with a with a you know, with an idea in our own right. And we were basically like, all right, well, listen, bro, the fact that, you know, you came to us like that, like we had already been in discussion with, you know, with Toot and with Benny and, and, you know, about the decision that we thought we were going to have to make. And so it it wasn't a foregone conclusion, but it was a, it was a thought that was really, really blossoming as far as us going in and cooperating. And so basically what we did is we told Jack, all right, well, listen, why don't you go to them and say, okay, if I get them to come in, you know, then you look out for me. And that's a real thing, bro. Like in the federal system, that's the name of the game, bro. I've I've went over these numbers before about, you know, their conviction rate, 98, 98% and 93% of federal inmates take pleas and all the, and just how commonplace cooperation is and the deal making. That's what the federal system is based on. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's how we ended up getting helped in the situation because when we came in, ultimately, you know, it helped him in the long run. And so he ended up, he ended up being blessed too, you know? And so, so by, that's, him, by, by him doing that, did, did he end up getting a lot knocked off of his sentence or was it just a minimal thing that. Yeah, it wasn't was a lot. Off? I think it was, no, it was a decent amount. I think it was like uh, maybe five years. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. in the hindsight of what was it, 22 years, five years, yeah. it probably doesn't seem like a lot, but in the hindsight of 22 years, I mean, any time off is a good thing, right? <laughs> right. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, so yeah, man, that was how I, uh, that was kind of how, that was how I met him, bro. And and, and that's how our relationship developed. And, um, you know, it's funny, bro. I think about that. I think about that concept, right? That this is what, what what I was thinking about, what made me bring him up, right? Is that he never really told on anybody, mm-hmm. you know, he never, he never cooperated on anybody, bro. At the end of the day, technically speaking, there's no paperwork on him. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, bro, he chose to walk away from that shit, you know, but had he not like, it's not like they're welcoming him with open arms. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, like I said, man, there was no, there was no retirement bid for him. You know, there was no help, bro. And uh, I just think that's an ongoing theme, bro. I think that, you know, when you look at guys like that from back in that era, right? Like they, they were doing things for the, for the, for the community and for the guys for real. Like they were like, I mean, even in a sense, like owning the club and being able to help like younger brothers and, and, and shit like that, like it's unheard of now. You know what I mean? And um, that was an era that was really trying to establish a, a, a stronghold community-wise. You know what I'm saying? Like heritage-wise. Like if you look at it, bro, they were, they were, you know, trying to have businesses in, in like that's not, that's not common, bro. Now, like who owns the businesses in, in these urban areas? It's not, it's not the, it's not the residents. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I don't know no, like is, I don't know nobody that owns you know, these, these corner stores and shit like that. Like, I don't know. I never knew nobody. And so I think that's the, that's the thing, man. Like you, you, like, I, 
I just related to that, bro, because I feel like all these things, like even we talked about robbing the bank, right? Like how harsh of a punishment that was. Like, why do people rob banks? Why Why do you think he was robbing a bank? Because he was sick of hurting. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was sick of watching his family hurt, you know? And um, that doesn't make it right. But, you know, just when you look at that element, you're like, damn, man, like, why can't, why can't these societies ever make it over the hump? You know what I mean? Like, I guess my question to you is, what do you think? What do you think it would take to change that kind of environment like that? Money, right? I mean, that's... Money, money right? and, I mean, yeah, opportunities. Honestly, don't you think that opportunities is probably bigger than money? Because if everybody in these communities had an opportunity, you would see this stuff dwindle down quickly. But like you said, a lot of what you did was out of survival and, and yeah, it's like, it's like these, these are societal norms, bro. It's, 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 um, it's designed, bro. I mean, obviously I don't have the numbers off the top of my hand. I'd have to like do research. Right. But like, let's just, let's just go into this, into this world, right. Where you're like, okay, what's the percentage of guys from these areas that have felons? A lot, probably, right? Like, I mean, probably a lot. Like, even if they're not doing, even if they're not active in the gang, even if they're not, they're not drug dealing anymore. Like, at some point in time, these guys got felonies on their record. You know, mm-hmm. like that's just the reality. I looked at like, okay, what's the top twenty careers, top highest paying careers? You know how many of those jobs and careers you can have with a felony? None of them, probably zero. <laughs> yeah, zero. Zero, bro. So yeah, you know they the, the like Congress and all this shit. They preach second chances, but you can't never break through that ceiling once you have that. Once you have that blemish, bro. Like that black eye is something that never goes away, regardless. You know what I mean? The only way is through entrepreneurship. You know what I mean? Because if you try to do it through the right channels and you think that there's like it's even even some major contractors, you know, which is which is. You know, contracting and construction is like one of the the main outs for felons, bro. Like that's one of the one jobs that, you know, going to a trade, like you can save your your life and your career. But even some of the major like upper, upper echelon, you can't have a felon to be running that shit, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, damn, even even there, there's a, there's always a ceiling. There's always a cap. There's always a, there's always a way to try to keep, you know, ultimately these people, us, in a bubble. It's like, where does the breakthrough at? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So- no, nah, man, I think, um, you know, obviously my story is is relevant, you know, for Jack and, and just how he was treated based on the fact that he never went bad. But it's also a bigger, a bigger issue, too, just about, you know, like how people are forced into these situations at times, you know what I'm saying? And and um, and then the the punishment doesn't fit the crime. No, nah. you no. Know? Yeah, totally. And I. I, I go go back to this thing again where we see people that are stealing millions and millions of dollars and they get six six years in prison. But yeah. I mean, I'm guessing, I don't know, maybe you do know this, but if you go in and rob a bank, you are not going to get millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> no. <laughs> because the bank no. just isn't going to have that much money in a bank. So, <laughs> Absolutely so I mean, it, you know, you're getting minimal amount of money. Yes, I, I can see the argument that, well, there were guns involved, so this sentence should be a little more severe. Right. But, but if I if I can steal $6 million and get six years, I don't see how robbing a bank gets me 22 years. That's kind of crazy to me. 
right but again that and it's like, is that, is that, does that, oh, does that make them a smarter criminal or is it, or is it just, <laughs> they're a criminal that has access or the ability to be a smarter criminal? Cause I think, I think it's fair to say that, you know, what's being taught, you know, to somebody in whatever in, in a suburban area may be a little different than what's being taught in urban areas when they're basically just passing anybody through school now. Like you just, you, there's no such thing as being left behind. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're going, you're passing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's just how they do it. So, and, yeah, and man, I funny. think I think that's a bigger problem. It's a it's a funny it's a funny thing to think about because you know you look at these communities that are struggling, and people always say, "Well, that's there's all bad people there. That's why they all have felonies." And it's like that doesn't make any sense. You know, like just because you live in this neighborhood is not going to the act of living in this neighborhood is not going to make you evil, but if you live in this neighborhood and you're desperate to survive, well, then you might do stuff that makes you evil, you know? Right. And, and there's, there's, there's elements, bro. I think that are, you know, that are obviously contributing factors that, you know, people create their own demons like drugs and shit like that. You know, like that's understandable because that happens organically for a lot of people. But, you know, during the process of them, them timeframes, people make bad decisions. They can rebound from them. You know what I'm saying? I think, most people have made, you know, bad, questionable choices at some point in their lives. You know what I'm saying? And how long is it going to affect you? You know, well, I just, you know, I always hear like, well, I wasn't dumb enough to get caught. Like, yeah, like you think that was shit's a choice? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, trust me, if it was a, a choice, a lot of people would choose the alternative. And it's like, you have to give somebody a chance to fuck up. You know, like, yeah, you do, you, you, you give them that one chance and then you give them a second chance, but you're not really giving them a, a, a true second chance because before that felony, you know, possibilities are limitless. You know what I'm saying? So to, to say you're, you're truly giving somebody a second chance, you have to give them that, the, the same opportunities that they had before. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. that's the reality. Even, even like, even like the right to bear arms, bro. Like we're in a, we're in a, we're at a point in time in America, though, where it's like probably the the most dangerous it's ever been and the only people that can't be armed are felons <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like you know guys ain't looking out to go out and hurt people at this point in their lives but you think they want to be safe you think they want to be protected hell yeah mm-hmm. you know like you got every average joe carrying a gun you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna open carry state myself you know so it's like um and i'm okay with that I'm okay with that. I think that I think that you know that brings some order, but that's still, at the end of the day, I still want to be protected too. You mm-hmm. know, so how do you get those rights back? Right, you know, and, like, and exactly, <clears throat> there's so many rights, right, that you can never get back. They're just gone. Mm-hmm. They're just gone now. And now, like for instance, the right to bear arms. You know. Should a felon get it the day they get out of prison and it should just be forgotten? Maybe not, but shouldn't there be a system that allows them to, to get that right back? Right. Because- there should be a threshold. There should definitely be a threshold. There should be a process, you know, and there should have to, you know, there should definitely be, um, <clears throat> you know, more of a, more of a, I guess, more eyeballs on it, you know, opposed to just the average Joe grabbing a, a gun, but that it shouldn't be one of those never things, you know, like I think that especially for me, right? Like that's like 
that's like the ultimate because of my charges, right? Because I had violence. So for me, it's like the ultimate never. Like you're going to die and never have the right to own a firearm, right? And and some people might agree with that. But I just don't see how it's fair for you to say you can protect your family any different than I can protect mine just because I made a, a bad decision, mm-hmm. you know, um, bad decisions, you know, during an era in my life in which I was a child. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's that's where the that's where there has to be some distinction. Like, you know, to be able to individualize situations, I think that's something that I guess Congress and all of them as a whole could never really do. You know, it, there should still be given like consideration. Can you petition the court? You know what I mean? Like anything like that. Mm-hmm. So just out yeah. of curiosity, and what other rights have you just just completely lost? Um, I'm not sure, bro. I know, I know basically it's like, you know, there's like, obviously like the career, the careers that. Yeah. They're, you're cut off from many, many jobs because it's just not going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. You, so you have like, um, forbidden fields mostly because of the background check, but you know, those are obviously like anything like with kids, you know, like my crime didn't have anything to do with kids, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, that's like crazy. Not not saying that I would, but like, what if I, I was a coach for, you know, I had a kid and he had a lead, like, I could never do that because of a felony. Obviously, like a pharmacist, insurance, that's a big one because insurance is like one of those things where if you're a good salesman, I mean, you could ultimately be rich off of that, bro. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, based on commission sales and all that, like, if you're a good salesman, regardless of what your past is, you know, you can't sell insurance. Like, I don't even understand that one. Yeah, I, I think that one that one is baffling to me because um why? <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, the only then, thing I can then, think of is 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 it off limits to you because you have to get like state or state licenses to do it and and the government is just not going to give you those licenses. You know. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like why 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 to be restricted from that? You know I, what I mean? Why? It doesn't make sense to me, but it, I'm just wondering if if it's because that license is required in the government, it's just said, no, we're not going to do that for felons. Which right. Seems really, really stupid because I don't see, I don't see a correlation between that at all. Right. And, I mean, and outdated. I mean, there's even more jobs, uh, athletic trainers, like some athletic trainers, like, don't you think prisoners are probably being some of the best shape? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. like, you know, and athletic training is like one of those, you know, Sky is limitless. You know, it's limitless. You know what I'm saying? Like you can do whatever with that because who knows you get to train in the right person. Like what kind of money you can make for that? You know, I mean, obviously you have careers like psychologists and therapists and, um, you know, these kind of things that, all right, whatever, you don't want to trust a felon, but that it's not like, it's not like guys that are felons aren't capable of that. You know right. what I mean? Like that's, that's, uh, those are careers where, you know, it takes study, it takes practice. Like anybody can do that, bro. Just because you're a felon, it doesn't, you know, you made a mistake that cost you, you know, more than, um, the average mistake cost the average person, but it's still, you know, at the end of the day, and I'm not talking about me. Cause I'm obviously I made a, I made a pattern of mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My situation is unique in the sense that I was a kid. So I feel like that's where that's where I should get a little leeway, but I'm saying even even the average Joe that you can catch a felony man from a from a fight, you know, from the wrong from a fight that went the wrong way, you know what I mean? And so <clears throat> I just find it hard to to 
you know, I find it hard to believe that that should be an infinite kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So. So I actually want to take the questions back now to something you said right, right at the beginning, because I found this interesting and I'm pretty sure you've never mentioned this before is, so you were talking about how the holy day of the Latin Kings, which was January 6th, I think you said, right? Yep. Yep. So tell me about, okay, so there's a big party of some sort every year for this is, was this something that you would travel down to Chicago, celebrate with everybody? Or was this something that just brought the Milwaukee chapters came together for? Well, you could, you could travel down. I mean, it's a, it's a huge, I mean, it's one of, one of the most significant days that Latin Kings celebrate um, is January 6th. And yeah, people celebrate it differently. Like I know for us, we, we, we fasted for the entire day. So, um, obviously the whole day of January 6th, midnight to midnight. Right. And so, um, different guys did things differently. Like we were, we smoked, you know what I'm saying? Which was torture because we smoked weed and be starving all day. You know what I'm saying? It, was probably <laughs> dumb. it wasn't the smartest thing we did. You know what I mean? Some people, um, they, they, they drank, you know what I mean? We, us in particular, we didn't, we weren't allowed to, I believe we didn't drink. So yeah, it just depended, but definitely everybody fasted. And then, um, usually at midnight is when we would have like a huge, you know what I mean? Like a huge feast, you know what I mean? Like we would be together and <clears throat> we'd, we'd eat together at a house or we'd have food, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was just one of those days. Yeah. It was like a, you know, a celebration of, of, uh, of remembrance. So that was like a huge day. And that's, that's across the country, bro. Everybody celebrates that day. So now were you doing it? was it generally done with a bunch of chapters together or was this just something that each chapter did as on their own? Um, you know, it, everybody did it on their own, but I think that day, bro, like I can remember, like you would, you would make the effort to like stop in and say, what's up to guys in other chapters, you know what I'm saying? And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's kind of why, why Jack came over that night. Like he was just stopping in on us. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we were the younger guys on Walker. Obviously I was the youngest and so, um, <clears throat> yeah, like he was just stopping in. So yeah, we kind of made the effort to do that too, you know, and, and, um, you know, some guys will like go and end up and end the night at, at like in the graveyards, you know, they'll go and, and like go around like some of the brothers that passed and, and hang out at their graveyard and smoke and drink a little bit, you know, it, it just all depends, man. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of that's kind of based on how the guys feel, but we did a number. We did, we usually did a combination of everything. You know, we would, yeah, we'd go to the graveyards. We would, um, we go to the hood, we go to the neighborhood, we drink. And I'm talking just, about, I'm talking about after midnight. I'm talking about after midnight. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about during the, obviously during the day, we would just kind of hang out, you know, we would smoke, but and it was just more of an, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just more of an observance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, so some guys took it, some guys took it more serious than others. You know, some guys would, would, they would go sneak and eat by themselves and do shit like that. You know what I mean? But like the group of guys that I'd be around, we would make it an effort to be around each other the whole day. So it's like a camaraderie thing. You know what I mean? Like we'd be there, we're struggling together. You know what I'm saying? So, um, a day went kind of fast. And you said that you would go to graveyards. Was that to visit people that had passed 
Yeah. 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 Past, you would just go visit the graves. See that? Yeah, like we would go to Black Cat's gravesite. Um, you know, the only thing about that is Black Cat's gravesite was way on the north side. So usually when we went over there, man, it would be like a super far ride. We'd have to have like, you know, a couple carloads. Hmm. But we would do that. You know, we would definitely go out there and then uh some of the older kings were buried on um at the cemetery on 6th Street or somewhere over there on 13th Street on the south side. So we would just, yeah, we would just pop in, man, and just kind of drink and smoke. And, you know, um, you know, some guys would, would remember them and talk about them, you know. Uh, I, early on, I, was, I would go with the walkers, and so I didn't, I didn't really know any of the guys that had passed. I knew of them, mm-hmm. you know, but, but I was just there as, you know, kind of sign of respect. And so – yeah, it's, I mean, that day and then the first week in March is King's Week. And that's more like, yeah, that's like, that's just kind of like partying and, um, you know, observing, you know, being around each other. We th- we didn't really, we didn't really, I guess, celebrate that too much because we kind of, we did that every day anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it wasn't like nothing special. We just, all right, yeah, you know. So that was kind of how that was. Is that like the two major events, or are there other days like these throughout? The no, year? yeah, those those are the two major ones. Those, those are the two, are major, two ones. major ones. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's really interesting because I'm surprised you've never mentioned that before. That we've never heard about that. So, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, probably because nothing happens on that day. <laughs> but, you know yeah, I, mean? I suppose like, not a whole lot of stories to tell, huh? <laughs> yeah, you're usually just there starving. You know, what I mean, that's about it. Yeah. So, so, all right. Um. Well, do you have anything else for this, Berto, or should we wrap this episode up? Oh uh, no, I think this is good. I think this was just a, uh, you know, kind of a close to home kind of thought, man. You know, for somebody that I care about and and. Uh, and uh, and I guess it kind of stemmed off into some other things, right? So yeah. I think this is pretty good, man. I did actually think of one more thing too to talk about. So you're you still have contact with Jack today? Yes, yes, I do. So I assume Jack is out of prison at this point in time. Yes, yep. yep. Anything notable to mention about what he's doing with his life and stuff? I assume he's nah, nah. He's just you know he's he's making it. You know, I think that's uh, that's what a lot of people strive for. You know, you stay out of prison and just try to make it, man. Because, you know, just like we talked about right now, man, the powers that be, you're usually limited in what you can do, you know, yeah. so. Well, and I will say that, that just not being back in prison, not being in that life, I, I would consider that a win. So, you know. Definitely a dub. Yeah. So, all right. Then with that, we can wrap this episode up. Um as always, we do have a Patreon. You can check that out at patreon.com slash normalized crime. And if you do have any questions, comments, or anything else you want to say to us, you can reach out to us at normalizedcrime at gmail.com. And we will be back next week with a Patreon episode, two weeks with a regular episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.